Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey. And this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Park Ab shares his journey from working in sales, using an MBA to pivot into a Fortune 20 FLDP program, and his latest move into M&A strategy at a top consulting firm. Learn how much he got paid at each level, as well as the various skills he developed in each stage of his career, and how they influenced his path. Enjoy. Park Ab, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thank you for having me today. It'd be great if you could give the listeners a little bio. Happy to. Um, so... Uh, my background is a little bit different than a lot of folks in the consulting world. I work in industry um, out of both undergrad and B-school um, and, um, and then made a transition to consulting um, kind of not later in life, but just a few years after B-school. And I worked for a couple large firms, uh, several basically all top 10 uh, strategy firms, some with more of a focus on strategy, some more focus on op- operations, and uh, kind of risen to the level of associate partner. Great. And so, um, in terms of just let's go all the way back to undergrad, um, mm-hmm. you know, you were, um, you know, not a finance major, accounting major, and mm-hmm. what kind of made you think, okay, I'm going to go into industry right now? And I think you were, yeah. Did you join an FLDP program, financial leadership? I think it's, you know, financial leadership development program right out of school or what was the first step? Yeah, no. So right out of undergrad, Mm -hmm. um, I was a technical, a technical major and people, Mm -hmm. you know, should you get a PhD or a master's or go into some advanced uh, training? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't interesting me to me. I did some internships there and then I did like a, a sales internship with a, with a tech company. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm um, doing tech and I'm like talking to people. I'm like yeah, moving and shaking all this stuff. And so I actually went into sales. Um, so I was a salesperson pre-business school. Um, but, you know, being a salesperson for a while, it was great. I was working for a big company and very well known, you know, it was hitting my numbers, things were good. But I said, you know, I feel like, I, like I'm a technical person doing business and I feel like I'm like missing a step. Like I don't understand like finance fully and accounting and and all this kind of stuff and marketing and strategy. And, and I, you know, I would read the Harvard business review and like implement it at my job and people were like, Oh, where'd you go with this great idea? And I was like, I read the Harvard business review and people would look at me crazy. So maybe I should explore this. So that's when I, I went on to business school mm-hmm. um, and I was recruited um, um, out of business school by um, a you know, fortune you know, 20 company yep. to join uh, a post MBA leadership program as very, you know, these, some of these leadership programs, a lot of people realize they're really, they're extremely hard to get into because they usually don't have that many spots. Right. Um, and they, they promote the heck out of them. So, I mean, I think there is well over a thousand or more applicate app, serious applicants are interviewed and only a hundred people got in um, wow. around the world. So, it was kind of cool to be part of that club and um, it was a rotational program. So it's very consulting, like where they kind of drop you into um, a business for, you know, six months or three months or whatever the rotation period. And you, you're given like a problem statement. It's like, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. So you're in this like billion dollar P and L and you have to learn the people process, technology, product, all that stuff. And you're moving too. So like you're flying home on weekends, you got to move, you got to find an apartment and get cable hooked up and all that kind of stuff. And it's pretty challenging. And you, every six you months, learn, you're saying like every six months, you're, you're jumping everything at once. What? You, you basically have to figure out like everything mm-hmm. and solve a problem in a few months. 
And it's exciting because you're a one-man band, but you have to build that community. You have to like build networks, build trust, do all that stuff and crunch the numbers, find out where the data is hidden, you know, do all the stuff that you would do as a film um, and do it very quickly. You don't have the support of a team or prior work or all this other stuff that we, you know, we think of in consulting. Um, so it was kind of that boot camp. And yep. then every six months, you start all over somewhere else. And the work you did before never helps you at the next one because these businesses are so big. You know, people don't realize how it was like being inside of like a you know, 10, 20, 30 billion dollar company, 40, 50, you know, 100 billion dollar company. So I did that, right. did a few of those. And then I, then I finished there and they, they said, hey, we'd love for you to. They started some new business ideas and they wanted me to run with it. So I took on a new business. I was running a business for a while. So before, before we go they, on there, before we go on there, let's go back yeah. to the, the MBA. Mm -hmm. So you, you did undergrad, you were in industry for a while. You decided, Hey, yeah. I need to know more mm -hmm. business. I need more business knowledge. Um, there's a, I'm missing a step. So you went and got your MBA. And mm -hmm. during yep. that time, can you tell me a little bit about your thought process? Like what you wanted to do? Were you looking at investment bank? Or were you looking at management consulting? Yeah. What yeah, was yeah. The... yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's happy to, to back up on that. Like, mm -hmm. So many years, so many years go by, you just kind of like gloss over <laughs> stuff in multi-year chunks. So apologies on that one. No, but, it's fine. Uh, you know, reality is, is like I was in D school um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, to, to start with, everyone has the, um, so anyone you know, listens to this and, and goes to B school or is looking at, first thing you do the first day is you go, I don't belong here. Like, cause you meet all these people who are like, you know, smart and accomplished and speak seven languages and worked at the UN or worked at this investment bank. And you're like, oh, wow. You know, I, I don't know if I fit in all these people with economics degrees from the fancy schools. And, you know, yeah, that's the first thing you get through is this whole like, wow, uh, do I belong here? And someone raises his hand in class and they have this amazing answer. And you're like, I don't even know what he's saying, let alone where he found the answer. You, you, you go through all that. So I went through all that. So anyone who's listening to this, you know, in your, your kind of first semester of your MBA or something right now, you're going through it. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> grades don't really matter uh, as much as you think. Yeah. Um, but as I thought about it, I, I was, I tried actually to be open. I was looking at investment banking. I was looking at consulting a little bit, looking at corporate roles. Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately I decided on going into a corporate role. I, I just, I'd taken like one finance course and you, you know, at that point, so for me to go into like an investment banking interview um, and, and talk, talk shop, I, I didn't feel like I was properly set up, um, set myself up for that. Mm -hmm. So I think if anyone you know listening to this is, is in a non-technical background, I mean a non-banking background, and wants to think about investment banking or consulting, like make sure you know what you'll need to know for the interviews ahead of time. So you've done case prep work for consulting, or you've done uh, a modeling boot camp, um, and have a pretty good handle on what's going on in financial markets um, before the interview, because you will be asked, right? You're, you're going to yep. be asked, like, oh, you know, how would you construct this model, or like, and they always ask, you know here's a hypothetical situation or here's a real situation. How would you set up the model? How would you, how would you develop an incoming hypothesis and, or, or, you know, more detail than that. So you, you should be, you know, anyone who's thinking about any of these kind of careers, be prepared before you go in. Cause you know, there, everyone else will be. So you want to make sure you're, you're there too. So at that time I said, you know what, I, I, um, I did my, I want to do my internship in, um, in the tech field and I found I found a great job. I went to a conference and I networked with the CEO actually, the CEO of this like big company on the West Coast. And I just rolled up on him. I said the other thing is you have to be courageous uh, to anyone's business. You have to be courageous. Like make phone calls you're afraid to make, you know, talk to people that you think won't talk to you. Um, because a lot of other people will self-select themselves out. Mm. So I reached out to this guy just at a conference you know successful running multi-billion dollar company. I just rolled up on him like Loved your speech. Here are my three bullets. I had was ready to go. I like went dove right in, and you know I'd love to talk to you about an internship someday. I mean it's crazy, right? This guy's got like thousands of employees. It's like he was just like, wow. He's like, yeah, I'd love to talk. He hands me his business card with his personal cell on it, um, and that's how I landed my summer internship. I called the guy up. You just called his and, cell phone. Uh, when did you decide to actually call yeah, his cell? Yeah, just, just just called him up and said because I was looking at other opportunities and there's a lot of stuff like back and forth and just taking forever. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call this guy. Yeah. And um, left the message. He calls me like the next day. I'm sitting in class and in, in, in Beeskill, I'm sitting in like finance class and my phone rings and I look at the area code. It's um, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I can't remember the San Diego area code, but yeah. then um, I'm like, you know, look, I was like, you know, one, two, three. I'm like, one, two, three, what the heck? And I was like, oh my God, that's San Diego. That's so-and-so. And I ran into the hall. I was like, hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, you have, do, you, do, you, do you have a few minutes to talk? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we wrapped for a minute and then um, he 
I get a call two months later and basically the two, two guys from the C-suite, you know, I mean, I don't know why it's the funniest situation. Two guys from the C-suite, they basically barraged me for like an hour. Um, it was the what? weirdest interview process ever. Like they were just like hammering me. And then at the end, the one guy looks at me, he could hear him go, what do you, so what do you think? Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, so do you want to come work for us? <laughs> I was like, uh, sure. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it was so non-traditional. It was an amazing experience. I went to live in California for the summer. I was doing all kinds of cool stuff. Um, they, you know, so great experience. So that's the other piece is that um, don't be afraid to make your own path. Mm-hmm. So there's the campus recruiting, do that, but make sure you're doing something a little different, you know, set yourself up. That gives you an edge. Like the boxer, Mike Tyson used to get up, I guess like four or five in the morning, go jogging. And he used to do that because he said, no, my competition's still asleep. So think of that uh, as an angle. Got it. And so you go there for the summer, but you still, are you, are you kind of saying, okay, for sure, I want to go consulting at this point? Are you thinking, are you leaning towards, did you do any case interviews during your MBA? Like, did you actually no, do any on you, you, You're just you know saying what? industry. I actually, at that point, I did not think about consulting. I thought more about um, investment banking because the company offered me a job. And I decided not to take it. Tell me uh, why. While I was there, they said, hey. yeah, tell me why. Yeah. You so, because yeah. it's a big company. Uh, it sounds like so, it's doing well. I'm sorry, go ahead. It sounds like it was doing well at the time. It's a big company, like you said, the CEO and the. Yeah, yeah. I was like six weeks in. They're like, hey, want to come work for us after you're done? I was like, oh, this is cool. I guess they like me. <laughs> you know? But uh, I said, uh, you know, thank you and think about it. And I ended up um, turning away the offer. But um, I started thinking about investment banking, um, my interest in financial markets. I started taking more finance courses my second, first semester, second year. And I was like, like flying through it, doing really well. It was like just, it was just sinking in. And I was like, wow, I really get this. This is actually really interesting. I was, doing really well in all the classes. So I, I you know, that's when I said, threw my, threw my hat in the ring there. So I interviewed with, um, you know, a couple of bulge bracket banks, the, you know, the top, you know, three or four banks, and then mm-hmm. um, a couple of middle market banks. And I would assume, um, I would assume it's super hard to actually land a job if you don't have that summer associate role though on your resume. Did, so, I'm, yeah. It, I mean, you, you got to start there. Mm-hmm. Um, they really target the summer associate. Um, so th- were, were these like extra school, seats that just happened to be open? because or they were just it just surprised me that there was even any many seats left at all for someone who didn't have the banking background do you know what i mean um but yeah, maybe it was yeah just back you then. have to learn how to be persuasive yeah you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> i think of, of being in sales before business school really helped me to be you know sure. confident and be well prepared and just have your act together and think of something of an edge you know if you've been you know when i would be networking them and say what'd you do for the summer and i would tell them and i tell that story i'd tell you and they'd be like wow this guy, you know, can be concise, can be persuasive to mm-hmm. like a CEO, you know, I think he could, you know, we at least need to talk to him. Right. Right. Um, right. And so I, I would think that, you know, do things like that to make yourself interesting to anyone here. And, and I say this because at, let's just take one investment bank, top tier investment bank, top tier consulting firm. All they do is go to the top schools, interview the best people, and then weed out the best people to get the best of the best people to come work for them. Right. So, if you're one of those people who's in that kind of community of the best of the best, you know, you're fighting it out against them and you're not guaranteed a slot just because you're, you have a three, eight GPA at one of an Ivy league school. There's dozens of people like you <laughs> right. sadly enough right. for less spots than you think. So I think that always make yourself interesting and differentiate. There's gotta be that something about you and I, and everyone has something and I don't know what, there's no magic formula for everyone, but make yourself interesting. So for me, it was really that, I think, that's, I think that's I think that's a really I think to stop there it's a really important point it's why we always kind of really emphasize like the interest section on a resume when I see a a, mm-hmm. a a client coming in and they send us their resume and there's no interest section or it's really boring like it's just like very generic I always drill down and tell them like give me more like what specifically do you like about what type of reading do you like what type of books do you like what type of sport like if it's just like running reading traveling it's really boring but if it's like you know, traveling to Southeast Asia and this and that you can, the commonalities you're able to draw with the interviewee and interviewer, like Mm -hmm. it's just, it explodes. Um, and it actually becomes more legitimate and, and kind of rounds out the person rather than just being all about just the job and education. Absolutely. I think at the undergraduate level, any way you're involved in campus, there's a plethora of campus activities. Like there's so much stuff in front of you. You just have to like walk the halls and you'll find three or four interesting things that you can get become a part of. So right. 
do do those things. You know, being a three H EPA and and finance and you know, it's just like oh whatever. There's so many of you. That's that's <laughs> the that's the ticket to get in the door. <laughs> right so now you have to be interesting uh, and compelling. So the next piece of that is if you're post uh, post undergrad pre MBA, like say you're you know you're an MBA student, and you're looking to get a job or internship. Um, that's it's, it's a little more difficult, but this gives you more. You've got more years. And you, you know, get involved in something, you know, like, um, like you're, like you did a half Ironman last year. Well, that's okay. I want to talk about that mm -hmm. because that's crazy. That's wild. That's a very tough thing. You have to like devote part of your life to, you know, how did you balance that with the rest of your life? What did you go through? What struggles? Like, I want to understand that because if I'm an investment bank or consulting firm, it's a, it's, it's tough work. Right. So I want, I want to understand how you kind of think through that stuff, did those things and, how, what you learned, like what were the humiliating, humbling experiences, or also people who do social impact work. So, mm -hmm. you know, all these, you know, capitalist things we do, you know, if you shut that part of your brain off and you go work at a soup shelf, soup, a soup kitchen or a shelter, or you, you're helping people in a different way, or, mm -hmm. you know, you're really giving back. And there's that human side of you. I want to explore that really, because this is a people business, yeah. um, both banking and consulting. So I want to understand like how you help people. Um, and I'll spend time on that. And I don't let people off easy, like, oh, you know, I did a charity 5K last year. Okay, well, great. But like, wh what else are you doing? Yeah. Um, so it's if a great people point. tell me those things, I'm like anchored in, like, wow, this is this person really gives back and they care about people. So that's important. That's a great point. So, all right. So you're going through, um, so we're still kind of on the interview process, I guess. But yeah, I want to just continue. And then say so you did a little bit of the banking and was that, something where you just felt like you weren't prepped in the interview or you landed a few offers, but decided to go to the fortune. Yeah. 20 yeah. Company. I got really close with a few things. Yep. Um, but I, I mean, you know, like final round, but I, I realized that I wasn't completely ready. Yeah. Um, that's not surprising. Like I, I mean, it's, I, it's really it, tough to it, compete. This is what happens to a lot of folks yep. is that they, they go to the, the, the campus presentations, they do a little networking, they, they read the wall street journal and they think they're ready and they're, they're not. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I got through the, the, the procedure and, you know, it just wasn't ultimately successful. And I realized that, you know, I, I wasn't like really prepped for an investment banking interview. Not that I couldn't interview. Like I had what it take to get in the door and get through a lot of rounds, which yeah. is very tough. You know, when you're at the super day and then you're at the su local super day after that, and you know, you're, you're kind of working your way through. Do you feel All like sales, you, you get there? Do you feel like the sales, I'm um, sure the sales background really helped you in terms of feeling comfortable and confident in those interviews as well. Is that true? Like you yeah, can sell they yourself. Yeah, they want to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. They want to see that you feel comfortable in presenting something because so, and as a person who's run tons of deal processes, when a junior person comes up to me and says like, I listen, this is a problem I have with the model. I need to talk to you about it. Here are the three things I think are wrong. Here's what I'm thinking about doing to fix it. I need your help. Okay, great. Let's chat. Let's wrap over some coffee and figure it out. And I'm happy to like roll my sleeves up and help. And someone's like freaking out. Then you get worried. Then you're like, uh oh, what's what's wrong? You know, like, yeah. you know, or you or you get radio silence because they don't have the confidence to say to you, I made a mistake. You know, I can't tell you how many times I check in with a case team at eight in the morning and I go, I got emails at four in the morning. What happened? I was supposed to get this at like ten. Yeah. And they say, well, you know, so and so was nervous. They didn't want to say anything, and they came to me at midnight. And I'm like, <laughs> what? What is going on? So basically, nobody on the team slept last night. Well, no, not really. I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, so it'll, it'll come back to bite. The confidence thing is big, but being super prepared for that specific scenario. So in banking, it's like you need to be able to walk through confidently how you're going to build this model, how you would set up the analyses, where your sources are going to be from. Mm -hmm. And you're interviewing for more of that specific technical piece. So you have to be able to talk through yep. what you're going to do and then be able to do, do the math too. And the same thing in consulting with a case interview, you need to be able to set up your structure um, here are the parts of the structure. They have to be exclusive. They have to be discreet. They have to be exhaustive. They have to have the detail and quickly move through that confidently, you know, and work, work your way through it and confident be able to like, here are my three, three or four subject areas. Um, I think I've got them. Can I confirm that with you? Right. Like those kind of things are just critically important. So it's yeah. that blend of confidence mm -hmm. prepared with it comes with preparedness, but also doing the preparedness. And then that third piece is being, you know, differentiated and interesting. So tell me, you're, so you're in industry for almost five years, more, more than five years. And yeah. so what kind mm -hmm. of, what started that process of, I want to try something new or 
um, I'm looking to make a change. Yeah, I had done a lot of consulting like roles um, and I had like P&L responsibility too. So I was like managing global businesses and people and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But then the jobs that were, they were being promoted into were more of like the classic corporate uh, you know, corner office kind of jobs. And I, and I'd said, you know what, I, I still want to try something new. I still want that entrepreneurial experience. Um, so and, was it a little bit of like, you're worried you you know, that like, let's solve some unsolvable problems and work on it for a while and then move on to something else. Um, were you worried that you were going to get pigeonholed? I'm sorry. Were you, were you worried that you were going to get pigeonholed into that? Like if, if you didn't leave at that point, like you were going to go get too senior to, to make a jump? Like in terms of no, like not really. No, you know, I had I wasn't even thinking along those lines. I mean, you, know? you were getting promoted though. You were, you were getting promoted, right? Pretty consistently. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I mean, I was on the uh, the you know on the path. I was in that that cohort of people that get you know kicked up every few years. So um, I was doing well. So um, I didn't have to leave. I wasn't like stuck in some dead end. I was doing well. Um, yeah. I just said, you know what, I want to try something new. I'm still at a point in my life where just you know reshaping things is, is, is definitely an option. Cool. Um, okay. so yeah, so that's what made me think about, you know, why don't I give consulting a shot? I can take my industry experience, um, and bring it, bring it to a new show. And so tell me how you prepped for that. How did you even get ready? And what was that process like? Yeah, it was a lengthy process. So uh, it's like, um, this process is really built for people who are coming right out of undergrad and right out of B school. So that kind of doing casework and doing a lot of you know, problem solving work that you just kind of get in a good rhythm and it's, it's not easy, but it's easier than if you were running a business all day and, you know, it's just different. So I had, I knew I was at a severe disadvantage because I thought back to my investment banking interviews and said, you know what, I, I, I wasn't ready. And then like, I almost didn't know what I didn't know at the time, but now I know that there's all this stuff I don't know. So, um, I went crazy with like the, uh, consulting prep courses mm-hmm. um and i purchased like these two prep course platforms and just just did tons of practice cases i mean tons and tons and tons of them until the point where i you know felt very comfortable mm-hmm. um and and then worked on the fit interviews because they're different uh, than corporate fit interviews similar but still a little different so i was like i am going to make sure i'm ready for consulting interviews not just generic interviews so um, and I, and I, you know, nights and weekends, you know, just any free time I had, I would just go on and on and on with this stuff. Did you have somebody to um, practice with? We, did you have somebody, or were I'm you, sorry, do, what? did you have somebody to practice with these, these case interviews or were you doing it mostly on your own? I, pay, I paid for that. I paid yeah. for like, you know, the, the, so there's a couple of services out there where I had like, I did like a lot of mock interviews and I mean, I, I shelled out a lot of money, but I said, you know what, this is my career. I'm going to. Invest in money for this. So I, I think, you know, a lot of they're virtual, like over Skype or over phone or something like that. Um, but I also had friends that worked in consulting through my network um, that I'd say, hey, can we do a mock case here? And, then, and I didn't try to abuse that. I wouldn't like call the same person up and do like 10 mock interviews, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, one here, one there, you know, you got to be careful on how you leverage your own network. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to go all in on it and say, you know, I'm going to invest in this because this is my career i'm going to invest in this part of my career mm-hmm. and, and so I, I i spent my not saying everyone has to do that but that's the choice i made knowing that i was at a bit of a disadvantage to other people going into consulting so tell me so did you strike out a few times still even with all of that prepping and that investment or did you just oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i got to the final round at let's see two of the mbbs Mm-hmm. Um, and then let me see, actually, was it one? Yeah. And then one other, um, you know, top, top 10 ish, um, mm-hmm. consulting firm. Yeah. Um, and this, to get to that point, to the point of failure, I, I networked, leveraged my network to get introductions and then get the introductions and then build confidence with those people to connect me with the recruiter because it's their reputation too. And then, you know, then get to the recruiter and then figure out when the timing was for when they would bring in a lateral hire from the outside, which is different than campus recruiting. So managing that whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, if you're, if people listening to this that are in college or in B school, like this is so much easier for them because they just kind of have to wait until such and such consulting is coming to campus and just know when that's happening and just, and work with that process. Right. Uh, but for me, it was, but I'd say as a caveat, even if they're coming to your campus, like 
start reaching out ahead of time. Say, hey, I know you guys are coming to campus. Looking forward to the presentation. Love to talk to you. Is there anybody I should talk? To? You know, they, you know, do do the stuff that I would do on top of that, but to a lesser degree. It's really being nailed in for the uh, the for the, the cadence that your, your school's uh, uh, recruiting session. Right. But yeah, I did right. all that and lots of strikeouts. I mean, uh, anyone listening, they're going to strike out a lot. I mean, I had a friend who. Um, for B school, went to Harvard business school, got straight rejected from Columbia and Sloan, like just not even a wait list, not even like hold on a bit. It was just no and no. And then got into Harvard and went to Harvard. So, you know, so you may get rejected from places that are below your quote unquote target firm. You may get into the target firm. So, uh, so that's the other piece of it. Yeah. I struck out a lot and everyone's going to strike out a lot. Some people are just, you know, they're lucky. They're going to, tap dance their way and get offers at all the best places and it's going to be lovely but most people and i'm talking about people at ivy league schools near ivy top grades top performers want stellar records it's going to be tough it's yeah. very tough so the competition is uh, like i said the ticket to the door is an elite school with high grades <laughs> so right. that's the ticket to get in not the golden you know not the the the, the golden medal you know? well you say ticket to get in it's almost like ticket to the dance not ticket to the actual getting the offer yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to get into the nightclub, you know, right. the VIP section is a little, <laughs> it's a little, a little different, right? So, uh, so, uh, yeah, so you're, it, it takes a bit. You do finally make it. You make the leap. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that yeah. transition. Was it difficult? And then tell me why you jumped firms. And those transitions. Yeah. So yeah. it was, um, it was, it was uh, a lot more difficult than I thought. Um, you know, just the, you know, coming in from an industry role to a consulting role. Um, you know, it was a friend of mine who went from consulting to industry says, you know, he works at this really fast paced tech company and says, you know, we work at like 75 miles an hour. Most corporates are like 50, 60 miles an hour and the consulting is like 100 miles an hour. Um, so I went from like 60, 75 miles an hour, it's going like 75 miles an hour and then to go to 100 was, was a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the standards are higher for you know, presentations, you know, for communications, for analyses, and, uh, or even if it was the same level that I was used to, it was being done in less time, you know, so it's like, you know, faster, more concise, mm -hmm. detailed, but also faster, <laughs> uh, with zero errors, right? So you, you, it's like, the so were you getting, that, were your level, it's really high. Were your managers or your bosses, like, upset with your work quality initially, because you, you had a little bit of a difficulty kind of doing, getting that ramp? Was it tough? Right. Well, no, that was understood that I was yeah. coming in as an, you know, as an industry hire and it's, right. you know, you know, I'm not going to be that fast, but still, you know, there is a point where they're like, you know, you kind of get like a slap on the wrist here yeah. or there and that, and that, that happened here or there, but you quickly get the, you know, if you're like paying attention, someone's like, this is not good. And you say, okay, what's not good about it? And they go, this, 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 you just don't do it again. And then, right. you know, then there's 10 more things you're doing wrong and then 10 more, but like you, you, you knock them down and then sooner or later you're 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 flying a little bit bit more so um so yeah so um i was that was at a big four mm -hmm. uh so big four i was big four for a while and that was you know it's great because um i was used to working in a big corporation so i to me like this like large machine was like same normal like oh you know yeah you know there's all these workflows and there's all these things to get things done and whatever but that's how that's the glue on these large organizations so sure. you know if you know, if that you don't like that, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe a smaller firm is for you, what have you. So um, I had an opportunity to join a different firm. Uh, I, I was doing M&A work, but I was doing a lot of post-it uh, deal, like integration and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I had an opportunity to join a firm that did more um, diligence work and, and commercial strategy. So a lot of it was like the typical four, six-week strategy work. Um, and then uh, M&A work, which I, I kind of liked it, but I wanted to be more on the front end, like, you know, what are our opportunities like, you know, yeah, target so screening. More strategy. Yeah. Specific target. More yeah. strategy so instead strat of just post strategy. integration. Yeah. And then, um, and then like strategy work that would turn into like an M&A strategy that would turn into a diligence. Um, and, then, and then, you know, getting involved in some of the sell side stuff. And so that was for me, it's like, oh, this is really interesting. You also get more reps too. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're at like a bigger firm, you're on like longer engagements, you get a little more into the implementation uh, and you figure out how to like uh, land the plane, um, which is critically important. So there's all this glamour around, 
you know, four to six streak strategy gigs and being the right hand man of the CEO and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is like most consulting firms, a lot of the work they do, even the elite strategy firms is a lot of like implementation of the strategy that they helped the create for the firm. Right. So, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a great thing to learn that. So I think anyone who, who, who thinks, Oh, I just want to do four or six week strategy things and just all this stuff. You know, it's, at some point, if you choose to exit, you're going to have to be able to say, talk about when you actually uh, helped implement something. And it, so I've done both. So I did, did the implementing part for a while, which is which was great. And then I went to like the front end of it. And that's where that, I spent most of my time people since who, is, is in that world. People who start an implementation, do you feel like there's it can potentially pigeonhole you though if, they, if you start an implementation and going from implementation to strategy is harder? Do you think that that would be fair? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I yeah. think if you, you know, you do it for like 10 years yeah, uh, and you've just done like implementation, 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 right. okay. and then you want to shift to a more like, like leading edge strategy piece, mm -hmm. um, maybe, but um, you know, there's this pros and cons to both. Again, people think of like uh, these short strategy gigs as like the ultimate and that's right. That's why, I, that's why I ask. It's like, you know, a lot of the top I, firms really, have more it's all, strategy it's work. Consulting. Yeah. You know, it comes down to firm economics, right? If your firm is built on short strategy gigs and diligence work, that's how the firm does business. Mm -hmm. um, at firms that do everything, the, the economics are pay off on like six month, you know, gigs. Right. You know, you're doing strategy, then you're helping with implementation planning and you may help oversee uh, some of the implementation with the client running a project management office, all this kind of stuff. Um, if you think about it, it's all about billable. <laughs> and then they can go billable hours and, and what can you, and you're also doing more meaningful impact for the client. So in sometimes in the client's eyes, they go, well, you know, you do a four week strategy, you come back in a year and hope they implemented it. Whereas some of these longer term ones, you know, you're doing the strategy, doing the implementation, doing the ops, et cetera. I think if someone is interested uh, in one versus the other, you know, let's say they're doing ops work and they want to get on the strategy side. Well, every project is a strategy element and it's up to them. I say to them, if you're interested in kind of exploring that strategy side, you know, network with partners and senior folks in the firm that do that work uh, to see if you can get a bite. Maybe you can help out with proposals. Maybe you can get your fingers, you know, toes wet uh, there or on the projects you're being staffed on. Is there a strategy component work stream that you can get in and help? And do you feel like um, most you firms are, off your other projects? Do you feel like you can get it? It's like, how do you wet your toes? So people want to just jump from one to the other. It's generally more of a, a stepwise moment, right. Uh, movement, right? You're, you're, there's no like very few people like just jump from one to the other. It's usually like a, you kind of work your way there. And like I said, proposal work, white papers, and then on the things that you're on today, is there a strategy element, which there almost always is. How do I get involved in that, even if I'm somewhat junior? And then they say, listen, it's your first year. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, get these slides done. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you keep hammering away, people will give you an opportunity. Just be persistent. And you don't think that could alienate your bosses that are pretty only on the implementation side? Or it's not going to, if really. you do it respectfully, no, I, mean, I guess. If it's like, yeah. yeah, if it's respectfully done. I yeah. mean, it's, you have to be like, I'm enjoying this work. It's exciting. You know, I, I, I'm really interested in this point in my career. I'm ex interested in exploring some of like the strategy work. Got it. Um, okay. That may be a different service line where you have to like make a formal change. Mm -hmm. um, and at, at every firm's different. Some firms do rotations. Some firms like will let you just freely roam around. Others have service lines where you're dedicated to a thing. But when you're early on, you're generally a generalist and you moving around is, is a little easier. Yeah. Um, but even when you're more specialized, you know, the specialization is okay because you maybe know a lot about, I don't know, financial services, you know, a lot about banking or um, pharmaceuticals and, and maybe you're doing implementation in banking, but you want to help with the strategy, but you know, the banking piece, you've done three years of banking implementation. And now you want to do financial uh, strategy. Well, play to your strengths, right? If you know the banking operation stuff and you want to do banking strategy, that's a, that's an easier conversation than if you've been all over the place doing implementation work and you want to just do strategy in one space that you have zero background in, right? Like right. I always tell people it's stepwise, you know, play to your strengths, start building the network. Um, don't bother people, but like ask people to go for a coffee, you know, stop by their office on the Fridays when you're in the office, like there's ways to work your way there. And, and I tell people your career is long. I, I, I've talked to people that'll say, you know, I've been at this firm for a year and I, my life's over. You know, I'm like, wow, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, know, you just got there. 
uh, are you doing well? Yes, my reviews are great. I'm like, well, what are you worried about? <laughs> but, I, but I've been here a year, you know, for someone who's 23, 24, a year is a long time. You know, when, you're, when you get older, it's like, who cares? You know, like you'll get there. Take your time. So yeah. I think that people need to be have a plan, um, but enjoy what you're doing right now. You know, make sure you're crushing it, right? And then mm-hmm. when you're, you're just absolutely nailing stuff, being positive, engaged, interested, the opportunities will come. They always come. You just got to let it be known that you're interested, you're happy where you are, but you want to do more. You want to get into some other stuff. People will, will help. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's the other thing. And that goes back to my whole thing about being personable, you know, being relatable, you know, the stuff that I got from being in sales is just learn how to be just a regular person and persuasive and, and, and things will happen if you're patient yet persistent and at the same time deliver what you're being asked to deliver. Great. So let's go a little bit back to your path. So you're doing a little more strategy work at this new firm. Tell me what, mm-hmm. what makes you go in your next, your next firm. And you kind of uh, yeah. jumped to so, a, a well-known um, yeah. strategy consulting. Firm. Yeah. So um, I was doing a lot of diligence work and a lot of uh, M&A work and, and it was exciting. Um, and I had actually had the opportunity. It was a big promotion opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to another, another, you know, very top, top firm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, you know, they said, Hey, you know, we're, I don't know if you're interested in, in coming over We're you know, we'd, we'd love to offer you a bigger role. Um, and it wasn't about the pay. I mean, the pay was, I think might've been a pay cut, but uh, it was, it was, you know, the pay was the same, even though it was a promotion, but it was like, it was more that I, it was more to me, I've always been about impact. So there was an opportunity to have greater impact. Um, Can you talk about the pay just real evolved. quick? You give us a range yeah. of some sort, even if it's not exact. So you were, a, you were, even if you could just give us a range of the pay, like the, the base and the bonus, I think you were manager at this point or engagement manager. Yeah, I mean, you know, the manager, the, you know, it, most most firms engage a manager. I mean, they make anywhere between 160 to 180 ish, mm-hmm. um, and then and then um, depending on the firm you're at, the bonuses it could be a bonus, a profit sharing. Uh, you know, it depends. Some some of the boutique firms tend to pay higher. Yep. Um, and then the bigger firms pay less. But I don't know. It, it it just depends on the firm and the practice, how the firm's doing. Um, but then uh, when I moved into an associate partner role, um, the base pay um, package went up over 200. Um, mm-hmm. But the bonus pool was smaller. Um, but that bonus pool got bigger, gets bigger as you stay uh, at the firm, come close to partner. So uh, it's like that first year, it's I think I'm making about the same as I was as, as an engagement manager, like a more senior engagement manager. Mm-hmm. But it was that because it was the first step on the uh, um, as an associate, associate partner, partner wrong. got it. And right, then as right. you, so, you know, and, and every year your, your base and your bonus go up. So by the time you're, you know, about to become partner, you're making almost what a first year partner is. And, so associate um, partner, how many years would you be in that role typically like on average before you're actually make partner? Most, most firms, it can be anywhere from three to five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely several years. Uh, and some will break up that that run with different titles and what have you. But yeah. the reality is once you're in that rung before partner, mm-hmm. it's usually at the, on average, like a four year stretch. And again, some firms a little bit longer, maybe a little less, some other places. Um, but that's kind of typical because it, the, the whole game changes, right? So you go from like number crunching all the way up to you're an engagement manager, and then you're managing people and you're managing process. You're, you're helping lead the thinking you're, you know, helping develop the frameworks and the plans, you're, you know, you're getting into client communication and leading the partner communications, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you become an associate partner, it's even more so. So then you're, you're managing multiple engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like someone running the team, a case team for you. Um, and you're running two, usually two, sometimes three, but usually two, and you're helping out with proposal work. Yep. Um, and this is when the partner's because this is what a partner does is partners might have two, three, four active engagements going. Um, and then they're selling work and that's, so they need to be like, you know, I got a, a person like uh, a, a person right below me, an associate partner who's got like two engagements and I got another associate partner that has two engagements. So there's my four engagements. This is someone who's, you know, been, been after at this business for five, 10 years or more. Um, they know what they're doing and they've got a good, they know what the team's doing. I can call them up and say, what's going on? Or I just can back off 
and they'll call me when needed. I can plug in and back off as needed, and I can focus on maintaining client relationships, building client relationships, finding opportunities, getting proposals in so that we can work on them. And then the associate partner will help uh, with the proposal write-ups and, you know, getting secondary research done or building a proposal team up and, and ramping them up to get a proposal going. Um, Got so it. Basically, you're doing like a lot of the stuff a partner does, but like at a lower level. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You're running two engagements, not four. You're running, uh, you're helping with one proposal, not five or something like that, right? You're, uh, mm-hmm. But they want to see how you can handle that. And usually most firms give you a sales target um, where you have to sell a certain amount of business. It's not like a hard and fast thing, like I say, a sales job, but you have to show that you can sell um, because before they like open the doors to partnership, they want to see that you can expand the pie, right? right? So whether you're on a big client that's bringing in millions a year, can you get that extra million? Can, can, do you have the, have you shown that you at least can extend an, an engagement? So that started off as a strategy project um, turns into an implementation or right. an strategy project that turns into another strategy project, or they're just on project X, they bump into a guy in the hall and they find an opportunity and they sell project Y. Um, they just want to see that you can sell that you're that you're helpful and you're impactful for clients that you're you're adding value to the client the client's like oh so and so is in my office doing such a great job and they say it's the partner and like we really like this guy and they're like oh, okay I, I like this guy you know and mm-hmm. he's good and then um that's they want to see make sure that you can sell that you obviously running projects you run the thinking you're adding value to white papers you have a point of view um it's it's current and that you can help expand uh expand the pie expand, expand client relations i think this is like the big things you know that's well, this like is a natural go into like the it, upper levels for people who are saying well, what, what do these guys think about all that yeah it's <laughs> kind of like your career is coming full circle right you're getting back into sales <laughs> you're yeah. more in a sales role yeah, exactly but, no yeah. it's the funny thing like i'm like the, like the you know sometimes i feel like i'm still learning the the technical aspects of the job when it comes to like presenting to a CEO, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, no big deal. That's the easy right. part where other people are like nervous about it their first time. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. As long as he doesn't throw a chair at your head, <laughs> it'll be okay. So, uh, so, so anyway, yeah, I think that, that you're right. Like the part of me is coming full circle where I'm thinking about selling. I'm thinking about building and maintaining client relationships, like understanding clients, like taking really good care of them because they, you know, clients are your whole business. Without your clients, you have nothing. You don't have a business. Right. And if they are not happy and overjoyed, that's a problem. Like you have to be just making sure that they are, you know, very well taken care of. They're spending a lot of money with you. Mm-hmm. You need to like, just treat them like gold. And then people, I think people get forget about that with the long hours and the travel and all this other stuff. They say, no, 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 this is, this is why we're here. This is why we chose this work. Um, right. And and when they're happy and when they implement something that you thought up and they're successful, it just feels great to see when they call you up a year later and be like, Hey, you know, why have you come back in? That thing you did was really great. It helped us out immensely. And you're like, wow, I, you know, helped out people. That's great. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about you. You had mentioned, sorry to jump back to pay, but you said around associate partner, the base is up around 200. And so you get closer to partner pay, you know, by year four or five or junior year, first year partner. Is that something where you're like, I'd assume partner is around 500 base or 400? It, I mean, it could, it just depends yeah. on the firm. So it depends on the yeah. firm. So some firms, um, there's a few firms that are like public, yep. public companies. Yep. Um, so you're not, you're not building equity. So they tend to pay more because that's how they compensate you. So your base will be high your bonus will be high. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, um, if you're at an, a partnership, your pay might seem lower mm-hmm. because a chunk of your comp is going to pay into the, your piece of the partnership. So you're, you have to yeah. buy into the partnership. So um, you'll be allocated like points or shares or, you know, units or whatever they want. Every firm calls them different, mm-hmm. but there'll be a salary, a bonus, and then the rest goes into your, to paying in. Um, and so it just depends on the firm. So I, I don't really feel comfortable, you know, because it's very different. It's a huge firm. range. Yeah. It's a huge but, range. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's a big, it's a big range. It, you know, you get to partner at any firm, any of the top, you know, 10 firms, Compensation is going to be great. It's just, um, it just depends on how it gets paid out is different depending sure. on if you're public, private, uh, private owned by a private equity firm or private as a partnership or right. you know, so there's, there's, there's a whole nuancy thing there. And there's this kind of mystique that, oh, I need to be at a partnership because um, that's where they get, they make the most money. It's not necessarily the case. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think, you know, I, I tell people, find a place where you're happiest. Who cares if they're public or private or they're the, one of the top three or they're just just in the top 10 or, <laughs> you know, find a place that you feel resonates with you and you're going to be successful. That's what's going to determine it. If you go to like the, the most elite place and you're not happy, well, that's no good. The money yeah. isn't going to fix that. Yeah. Agreed there. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of what's next for you. And um, yeah, let's start there. Like, do you have plenty? Yeah, assuming you're going to stay on, you get to partner, you're, it sounds like you're close. No, no, not at all. Not that close. It's not going to wait to go. A few um, years. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's also looking outside at um, going to industry. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of amazing opportunities. So, um, you know, you get to a certain point, people start reaching out to you for really cool opportunities. And, um, you know, so there, who knows, who knows what um, will happen. So, yeah. the, it, you know, so this kind of early on in my, uh, my journey. Very cool. And then any, before we call the pod, any specific advice you would have kind of given to your younger self looking back, you know, having that sales experience first and coming full circle. Do you feel like that path was, was a good one for you? Do you feel like people, that are coming right out of school, out of undergrad right now, should follow a similar path, or would you have changed something? Um, I took a very irregular path. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't like not recommend it because it was a waste or there was a mistake or something like that. But right. I, I would say like if you want to, I think a great time to do consulting is right out of undergrad or right out of uh, MB, an MBA program. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great. I think even if you're a couple of years in industry, lateraling in, I would say you know if you're in a in a industry role and you're doing a lot of data analytics, you know, where you're, you're, you're pulling data, you're crunching it and providing insight. Maybe you're in commercial operations, you know, supply chain operations or some kind of role where that, you know, you're doing like consulting like work Mm -hmm. Um, that those transfer in. Um, I think it's tougher if you're like, you know, you know, in your mid forties or something like that. I think it's tougher just because of the lifestyle, the travel and all that kind of stuff can be, tougher if you have like a family and all right. those stuff to, to think through. So that's why I say like, if you want to do it, try doing it earlier. Now that said, the funny thing is like, um, there's a huge, this is growing market. I did, uh, we did some work in this area in consulting. So like, there's actually like a growing market, um, uh, for senior people like 50 and up who know all these like archaic programming languages, um, to get into consulting because there's like a lot of firms and this is more on the tech consulting side, but they, they, nobody's teaching these old languages anymore and you mm. need like decades of knowledge to just figure them out like a lot of banks run these like or insurance companies they run these like old computer platforms still yeah and they need people who are older who just you just need someone with 20 30 years of experience that's just the only way it works and no one else knows it under the age of 40 so you have to hire more senior people so that caveat aside unless it's a specific like deep subject matter expertise mm-hmm. or like in pharma like if you know a lot about the regulatory environment that's just something you need to just do it for decades to get it but aside from that i would say you know right out of undergrad you know i'd say like that i mean it's great if you got an undergrad do that for four years go to b school and then just do something else that's like amazing that sets you up really well yeah um a couple years of industry move to consulting so I know a lot of people that go consulting like two, three years, and then they go to industry and then, you know, they might go to grad school, maybe not, but like that, that foundation is really good. And then post business school, do B school, two years of consulting, you know, leaving at like the engagement manager level is like, there's a world of opportunities and you can leave at any level, even if you leave at the first level, whatever that is at most firms, still a lot of opportunities. What, what's um, typical for that, that engagement manager when you jump out at that level? Like where, right. what are you so going I, to? I tell you, you come out of B school. If you do like two years of consulting at whatever that associate or whatever right. level, every firm uses, every firm uses the same terms, but differently. So it's very confusing. But yes. like to say that first post MBA role, you do two years and you're like, you know what? I'm done. Um, usually you can get in at like a senior manager level, maybe an associate director, but definitely like a good senior manager role and corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, those are great roles because they're hard, they're hard to get. And like, they're, they're just, I know a ton of people that do two years of building right into like a senior manager role. And then it's just like, it's up to you. And if you've been, you've learned that toolkit of how to like really buckle down and crank out work and be, you know, manage a team that, yeah. that fine tuned machine, if you will. Yeah. Um, even just two years of that is incredibly helpful, mm-hmm. but let's just say you do four years, you do two years of the post MBA role, and then you become an engagement manager for even a year or two years. Yep. Like you can come out as associate director, director level, um, you know, director corporate strategy and a business unit, or, you know, there's, 
the director level role um, mm-hmm. is where you come out and the pay is pretty much on par or maybe slightly above that of consulting. Um, yeah. uh, so you're not like, oh, I have to take a 60% pay cut. So I would say like you you come out as an engaged manager, you do year two years there, and then you can come out as a director. It's pretty, pretty typical to come out you know, at that level, um, you may not, I mean, firms call it different things. It could be a, a leader or something like that. But I would say you come out as a director that's like a sole contributor. And then the next role is like a, you know, senior director with a team. But typically um, corporate strategy is like, you know, role, like about, senior director and corporate yeah, strategy the, of some the sort. The easiest places to go in, yeah. like, is corp strategy and corp development, like okay. kind of like an internal, like business development function. Right. Those, those places hire strategy folks in droves uh, mm-hmm. and consulting folks in droves. Um, now you could be at the corporate corporate level or the business unit. A lot of the companies will have corporate strategy at the business unit level. Um, so not just the parent level. Um, either either doesn't matter. A lot of people are like, oh no, no, I want to be at the corporate corporate level. I'm like, no, it's actually better to get in the business unit strategy because what happens is people will transition into these corp strategy roles, corp dev roles. The idea is that you're there for two years, three tops, yep. and then you move into a business unit. And then you get PL responsibility. And then that is how you grow up. I mean, in corporations, the power is in the PL. Yep. Um, and you know, you you get in, you find a good business unit, you go on the corp strategy team, you're gonna meet all the leaders in that business unit, and you just spend a couple of years there walking the halls, doing projects, getting stuff done, just showing that you're just like the person to go to. When they need when the slot opens up, they're gonna be like, I want so and so. Because he's been like just absolutely crushing it for two years for us, yeah. um, and then you'll get that opportunity, and like the whole world opens up. You'll be running a PNL. You have people reporting to you. You're just you're just doing a lot, and it it can be very exciting. So those are the typical paths, I think. Um, so a lot of people only you know like oh I need to be a partner at a consulting firm. I said well not necessarily. I mean yes that is a path, but there you know there aren't that many partners in consulting firms relative to the number of pre-MBA staff or even MBA uh, educated staff. So you have to think that there's probably going to be an exit at some point and right. it's, it's okay. It's great. And there's a whole world out there and just finding what's right for you as terms of an exit. So whether it's a couple of years, five years, 10 years, um, or, or sticking all around. And, and I think everyone has their own journey to go on. I think it's in, and every journey is okay. That's great. I love that. Let's end there. I think that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thanks so much for joining and uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Okay. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wall street Oasis.com. until next time.